The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about scamming. And you know, I have gotten so many calls that have just been tragic from people who are elderly or from their, the children of elderly parents that find out that their parents have become victims of some kind of a fraud or a fishing expedition or identity theft. And it is just so tragic because it's hard enough to keep up with your health and all the other issues of growing older, let alone being scammed and your whole life just being pulled out from under you and losing money. It's just terrible. So I had... Um, gotten a book from a gentleman that we're going to be talking to today. And he wrote the book and he asked me if I would write a testimonial for it. So I enjoyed reading it. I got to see it and read it before it was even in this beautiful cover. And the name of the book is Scammed, Three Steps to Help Your Elderly Parents and Yourself. And so this could be, we're sitting on the campus, it could be your elderly parents, it could be your elderly grandparents. It could be even you, because the same kind of scams that elderly are exposed to are also the scams that each one of us are exposed to. But the sad thing for the elderly is that it puts them in a place where they're just overwhelmed more than younger people. So this is a great book by Art Maines, who is a licensed social worker. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. Art has been an active, he has been an active uh, practice as a clinical practitioner for over 13 years, and he's been a guest lecturer at Washington University, and has he's conducted trainings for managed behavioral health care companies, as well as Fortune 500 corporations. He was really honored to have been asked to conduct several trauma debriefings with the, with the victims of the 9-11 attacks in New York City. Art has also been a speaker on elderly fraud prevention and recovery, at both the state and national levels. And he has trained many people and professionals on topics related to elderly fraud recovery. And he is the author of this book that I have right in front of me called Scammed, Three Steps to Help Your Elder Parents and Yourself. In addition, he has a blog and a website and elderly fraud recovery help. And this has drawn both national and international readers and drawing on his own experience with his own 83-year-old stepfather when he was helping him to recover from a series of devastating scams. Uh, he combines it with his clinical skills as a practicing 
a practicing therapist, and that gives him a unique perspective on this growing problem. So we're going to talk to him about it. And thank you so much for joining us, Art. Well, thank you, Mari. I'm delighted to be here today and to be sharing this information with your listeners. Yeah. Why don't you tell us what happened with your your 83-year-old stepdad? Okay. Well, Bill has been a part of my life since I was six years old, so that's a long time. Right. And he is a very kind and uh, lovely man um, who worked as an accountant for the school district in my hometown in Texas. And so when he moved here in 2006, after my mom passed, I had talked with him about the possibility of being ripped off in a scam, just as a part of looking out for him, because he has no other family uh, available to him. So I thought, well, let me have that talk with him. And I thought that had covered the problem. But then, in June of 2009, I was out of town, and I got a call from a detective in the suburb that he lives in saying that they had confronted him at the grocery store because he had been wiring thousands of dollars to scammers in three different countries. Oh, my goodness. And you were I was, what? I was. I was completely blown away. I could not believe it. Right. And so um, as a result of all of that, um, I sprang into action and went into protect my dad mode. Right. And... Um, started learning a lot about how to help an elder deal with this. And about a month into it, I had been learning a lot more about the world of scams and frauds than I probably really wanted to know at the time. Yes. But I put to use all of my good social worker skills, and I came up with this idea for how to help him recover. And then I had this epiphany in which I thought, this could possibly help a lot of other people because... Bill and I can't be the only ones who are going through or who will go through this. Right. And so I basically just did a big old brain dump, and I ended up with 90 pages just from that. And then I thought, this could be a book. And yeah. what better way to help more people than to write a book? So it just all evolved from there. Yeah. So how did they, did they ever catch the people that were doing this? Were these like a Nigerian fraud ring, or what, what was this final thing that you found out from about your father and the scammers who did this to him? Well, he was getting ripped off in a phony sweepstakes scam. They had told him, yeah, this is a real common one. They had told him that he won third prize in the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, which was $125,000. So it sounded plausible. And they said, but he just needed to send them $850 to cover processing and taxes and all sorts of fees. Mm. So he said, okay, well, that sounds reasonable. So he sent the money, which immediately sprang the whole scam into action. And as you know, Mari, they sell the names of victims and their information to other scammers and put them on suckers list. Yeah, yeah. So it started out with one scammer, and by the time this was all over, he was getting worked by crooks from Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Canada, and his total losses were over $70,000. Oh, that's a lot of money, and especially for someone who's on a fixed income. Exactly. And, and, you know, what's so sad is that he didn't call you first and say, hey, you know, Art, what do you think about this thing with the publisher's clearinghouse? What do you think about this? You know, because you would have said, wait a minute, let's look into it more. Well, exactly. And and that's why when I talk to elders about prevention, I I always have it organized into what I call Mm -hmm. three R's. And the third R in my prevention strategy 
is reaching out. If you get a phone call like this, or if you get something in the mail, or even if someone comes to your front door, reach out to your son, your daughter, someone that you know and trust, and check this stuff out. Or even law enforcement. Exactly. Yes, law enforcement, my experience, is eager to help out with these sorts of things. Or your bank. You know, so many places that just, you know, don't... If it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's part of what I mention in my training talks all the time is if it sounds too good to be true, watch out because it is. Right. So tell us about why scammers target seniors. Well, scammers love to target seniors because people over 50 control 70% of the nation's wealth. And so in other parts of the world, and even here in the United States, because a lot of scams are perpetrated by people close to the elder, um, elders are viewed as having a big target on their back because they think they have all this money. And in fact, some of them do, but it's their life savings designed to help them deal with their health needs and supporting themselves in their later years of life. So there are certain vulnerabilities that seniors have, many of them are, were not trained to be security savvy. Uh, I have an interview with Bill on my website in which he says, I was raised in an era and in an area in which people were trustworthy. Yes. And they just don't think the way they really need to think about being appropriately vigilant to watch out for these things. Some of them may have some cognitive impairments that impede their ability to think well. Um, they may not think about what the scammers are saying, because the scammers are really good at what they do. They are as good at what they do as any doctor or lawyer or any other professional that you can think of. Right. That's their profession to be good at that, to be, you know, scammers and and, uh, sociopaths, right? Yeah. And they keep getting better at finding new scams and new twists on scams to keep people guessing. Right. Right. So let's talk about some of the different kinds of scams. We know, well, we talked just now about this this scam with the publisher's clearinghouse, and we get these phishing emails that people will get in the mail, you know. Either, now they're coming in the real mail besides coming in email. So let's right. talk about some of the different kinds. Well, there's so many different kinds and so many different variations. Um, a lot of them have to do with, different kinds of um, money that seems to be available, either like a phony sweepstakes or a lottery or advance fee kinds of scams, what they call the Nigerian or the 419 scam. Uh, some of them are relationship-based, which could be something like what they call the sweetheart swindle, where somebody seems to be romantically interested in the elder, but they're really only out to get their money. Right. Or there's one that's been making the rounds a lot lately, that some of my friends in law enforcement called the granny scam. Oh, yeah. Uh, and actually, I have a client whose mother got got caught by that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one where uh, what happened, she got uh, $12,000 taken from her. She got a call. She thought it was her grandson calling from Mexico saying, you know, I'm in jail, it, it was, you know, and you got to help me get out. The only way I can get out is if you wire $12,000 immediately to this. And she did it. She absolutely did it. And, exactly. uh, and And her daughter, who was my client, said, I can't believe that my mother didn't call me first. Well, what happened was the scammer said, don't tell my parents. Don't tell right. my parents. You know, I right. don't. Please, Grandma, don't tell my parents. And, you know, she didn't ask enough questions like, you know, who are your parents? And 
where do I live? And, you know, the kinds of questions that you need to ask. So it was very, very tragic because she was on fixed income and $12,000 out of her bank. You know, even her bank should have said something to her. Like, why are you taking $12,000 out of the bank? You never do that, you know? Right, right. So, right. yeah, it's it's really all of our um, responsibility. The elderly people, when they're just their heartstrings, like you were talking about these familiar things, Mm-hmm. But um, but I think all of us have to be on guard, even when we deal with people in the banking industry or whatever. Absolutely, yeah, because a lot of identity theft or identity fraud is being perpetrated by insiders lately, as you know. Right. And uh, so, yeah, we all have to really be on guard, and I believe that we all have a role in helping our elders stay safe from these sorts of things by building this into our conversations in a casual way. You know, you doing okay? Have you gotten any weird phone calls lately? You got any bills that you don't understand or didn't want? Just sort of keep it in the flow of conversation so it stays close to top of mind. I'm not saying they should be paranoid. Right. But I think just so that they are positively vigilant is yes. really what my goal is. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of paranoia isn't bad when when <laughs> it comes to money and people asking you for money. I think it's okay to be a little but, you know, just wary. So you talk in the book about scam prevention and scam recovery. Why don't you explain what you mean by the difference between those two? Well, scam recovery is the unfortunate aftermath of someone being ripped off in, in a scam. And it could be that there are multiple layers of victimization. It could be that it started out as some sort of a financial scam, like a phony sweepstakes or lottery. But then maybe the elder gave them their social security number to verify, you know, this dubious claim about taxes or something. So then we've got an identity theft problem. So recovery are the steps that you take after a scam has come to light. And I break those down into three major ideas. That's discover, protect, and recover. So discovery is when you first learn or suspect there's a scam and you, in fact, verify that there is one going on. And then it's how you assess the extent of what's happened, the extent of the violation and the losses. Then in the protect phase, the big idea is lock down the assets and prevent any further losses. Then in the recover phase, you have to think in terms of what has happened here. Is it a loss of private information? Is it a loss of money? Has there been something done to the house, maybe with a fraudulent home repair kind of deal? So then you take the steps necessary and access the resources that will most efficiently and effectively help you correct the problem and return the elder to the most normal pre-scam state that you can. Yeah. You know, I think we should talk a little bit about who some of these scammers are because sometimes they're very close to home. I had um, this gentleman who called me here in Orange County and his mother had a caregiver that she just loved. She was um, legally blind and so she would give her ATM card to her caregiver to get money out of the bank. Um, She would give her uh, caregiver the credit cards to go and buy groceries and the son who worked full-time wanted to take care of his mom who was blind and that's what he thought that this was great but this caregiver ended up one day she didn't show up and then they found out all this money was stolen out of her account 
Uh, you know, Mari, these yeah. are heartbreaking. They're so oh. heartbreaking because not only was it a betrayal of this, of money, but it was this friendship. This So we got to talk a little bit about that, the psychology of who does this to people. Well, a lot of them are sociopaths. I mean, there, there are documented cases, certainly here in my home state in Missouri, where people get out of prison and they will go and sign up with one of these home care agencies. And in order to make it in the world, they'll rip off older people. Mm-hmm. And they have no conscience and they have no concern for the fact that this person that they're hurting who seems to trust them um, is extremely vulnerable and doesn't have the ability to recover from a significant loss of funds. But it's also the emotional effects and how that can worsen their physical conditions and put them under a lot of stress, which can shorten their lifespan. In some of the studies, they're finding that. But it's also sometimes really good people who do bad things because they're in desperate times. Right. And that's tragic. Sometimes it's it's a, somebody like a grandson or another family member who just can't quite seem to get it together because of addiction or a kind of pattern of low functioning. And instead of doing the hard work of making their life into something, they go the easy and exploitative route and they rip off grandma or grandpa. It, it, is, it is so tragic. So let's say, you know, you have like what you went through, you know, you're going through your life and you find out that your elderly mother or father or aunt or some uh, one person that this happened, what is the first thing that you should do for them? I recommend that the person discovering the scam ask the elder two questions. Number one, has anyone threatened you or someone close to you if you don't do what they want? This is an immediate need for contacting law enforcement because there's the potential for serious harm or injury there. Sometimes it's an idle threat, but we just can't take that chance. Right. The second question is, did you give the people that you talked to or the person involved any personal information like your credit or debit card numbers, your social security number, or any other unique identifying information? Because if, you, if the elder did, that immediately raises the likelihood that there's also identity theft or fraud going on. So right. those are the two questions you start with right away. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll tell you, I don't know about what they have where you are, but in Orange County, California, we actually have a, a senior fraud unit uh, that deals with financial fraud right in our district attorney's office. So they focus entirely on financial fraud against seniors because it's such a big deal here. So if you live, you know, if you live in Orange County, if you're listening to this in California, just know that there is a fraud abuse, financial abuse section for the, that, that you can get a hold of in your law enforcement agency at the sheriff's department and also at the district attorney's office and they have it in Los Angeles. But I'm not quite sure if they have that all over the place, but that surely is something everybody should be really demanding from their law enforcement agencies. Do you have that out by you? Um, We don't have anything per se. The state attorney general here in Missouri does a fair amount with elder scams and financial frauds and stuff. Um, And, of course, there's the the federal law about area agencies on aging. But in my experience, because I do email and phone consultations with uh, families of scam victims all over the country, it's kind of spotty. Mm. especially in terms of coverage and the quality of that coverage. You know, a particular area may have something like that, but they're basically ineffective. Yes. And and what's really sad is once they become a victim, you know, these uh, these 
law enforcement agencies really don't do the work to help them recover. And what happens if they get stuck or sucked into the things like the grandparent scams or the scams with the publisher's clearinghouse, you're never, just know you're never going to get that money back. It's- That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, Bill wired the money overseas, and the Secret Service agent that I talked to, because the Secret Service has jurisdiction over these kinds of transactions, said, right. you're never going to get that money back. And he was right. We've never gotten any bit of it back. No. And and the, the also, the sad thing about that, it's not like certain forms of identity theft. So let me kind of clarify, because for identity theft, for example, I've had seniors who... It, it was totally beyond their control. They weren't really sucked into a scam. They didn't have somebody who met them face-to-face and talked them into something. It was more like they were at a hospital and someone stole the personnel files or they're living in an assisted living. Mm-hmm. Somebody steals it, and it's totally beyond their control, and it's overwhelming for them. So they're not going to get their money back either. But law enforcement looks at people who succumb to scams differently than those who are victims of a security breach, for example. And so that's another thing people have to understand because sometimes law enforcement will say, hey, you know, you did it, lady. You know, you gave the money or you handed that over and there's nothing we can do about it. And that's the end. Just let it be. And with identity theft, you can kind of at least recover you know, some of your reputation and maybe stop the pain. But once the money's gone, you know, it's gone. It's gone. So it's, what about the the psychological aspect for the seniors? Because it's, you know, people who are getting elderly and gosh, I'm, I hate to say it, I'm getting up there myself. It's scary. But um, there's there's a whole different psychological aspect to it than there is people maybe in their 40s and 30s, 40s, 50s. Well, it's so true. Um, there's an awful lot of shame and stigma and embarrassment associated w- with these kinds of crimes, especially, as you say, when they have more or less willingly given the money to the scammers. But I point out in my book, there's a lot of similarities between the way the scammers rip people off and what I call a, a negative form of hypnosis. Um, mm. And I'm trained in hypnosis myself. And And it's getting their brain hijacked, basically, by the scammers with this destructive delusional belief system. So when this comes to light, they feel like they were stupid or they were somehow flawed. They should have known better. Um, But, you know, you've got to remember, as we talked earlier, these scammers are as good at what they do uh, as any professional. And so it's very common for elders who have been ripped off in this way to have a worsening of depression or to possibly slip into depression, worsening of anxiety. Um, It can uh, worsen an already existing addiction problem. You know, there are a shocking number of elders who are addicted to pain medication, for example. Mm, Yeah. Um, So just as it puts the whole physical system under stress and can cause a worsening of physical problems, it can also lead to or worsen some existing mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Well... Many of these people nowadays, you know, uh, if your parents are elderly, you you have caregivers for them because it's they're often not living with us like in the olden days. So, mm-hmm. what are some really important things that the that we should tell caregivers, and what they should know in the best way to to manage this kind of recovery, like what you went through with your stepdad? 
Well, of course, I'm going to say I recommend they buy my book. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> but beyond that, um, it, it's important to reassure the elder that that they're going to get through this in the best way possible. You don't want to overpromise and say, oh, it's all going to be fine, because it's not going to be like it was. But rather reassure them that we are going to get through this in the best way we can. And we're going to do everything we can to help you get through this um, in the most positive way. Um, but also, it's important for the caregivers to remember to take care of themselves because there's a yes. lot of stress on them from all that you need to do in the um, immediate stages right after the discovery of the scam. Exactly. Um, so there's just a lot of self-care and, and time away from all of the scam-related tasks and activities and having somebody to talk to about this stuff because, as you were mentioning a moment ago, there's a kind of dismissive or blaming attitude towards certain scam victims where they go, well, they asked for it. Well, lady, yeah, you did exactly. it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that just feels awful to people who care about the elder, and they go, you know, this is a good person. I mean, when I was talking to a fraud investigator at one of the banks relating to Bill's scam, he told me a story about a nuclear sub-captain who had been ripped off in a phony lottery scam just six months prior to when I talked to him. So... These are not stupid people. No. These are intelligent people who get ripped off by professionals. Right. And I think that's so important is to let them know because otherwise they have a tremendous amount of guilt and guilt turns into blame. And then you as the caregiver or the one who's helping them, you know, you're having to deal with it. So, you know, most of the time the elderly cannot deal with it themselves and you have to be the, the person to help them. And that is just, like you said, it was overwhelming for you. you. You ended up learning all these, learning more than you ever wanted to about scams that it turned into your book. And and I agree, that is just, it is just so hard for the caregiver and for whoever has to help them to recover. So um, there is legal aid for people who don't have help. There is public law centers. So uh you know, and of course, you know, getting your book as a caregiver is really, really helpful. And just going to, you have a blog too. Why don't you give the website of your blog? Okay. Um, it's a part now of my book website, which is www.scammedbook.com. And there's just a tab up at the top for the blog. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm freshening and putting on some new new information there. But one of the things I want to mention about the caregiver, and this is important for the victim as well, is I teach my clients that the combination of information and having a plan reduces anxiety. And that's a big reason why I wrote the book and how I wrote the book, because I wanted people to have the information, the best I could find, and a plan. So I have the book laid out with checklists and more or less a big to-do list for how to think about this stuff. Now, everybody's scam experience is different, but at least it organizes it in a way that helps guide you through it. And I think it's really also helpful that you have an appendix with recommended readings and resources for people so they can look at that as well. And kind of, you know, this is like your handbook as you go through it, because you do need to be guided when you're going through this. Or that's why, you know, my book, uh, my book for identity theft victims has CD with legal letters and step by step instructions, because, you know, you just don't know where to go. And especially the elderly, they are just overwhelmed. And if you have if, if the parents, um, if the children of these elderly people are trying to work like you were, 
it's it's overwhelming. You're trying to do your own job and then take care of your elderly parent and help them get through this. So it, it is a challenge. And unfortunately, we have so many people scammed. So thank you for writing your book, Scammed, Three Steps to Help Your Elderly Parents and Yourself by Art Mains. And Art, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on your show, and thank you as well for your fabulous books. Um, I wrote in mind that I recommended everybody who's dealing with identity theft with an elder to get a copy of your book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. It is the best. Oh, well, thank you so much, Art, and you take care, and we'll talk soon, and thank you for all that you're doing for the elderly. Have a well, great day. Well, thank you, and thank you for all you're doing as well. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m. And please visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. There you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and write us emails about what's worrying you or what's important to you in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.